Almighty God, we open up our hearts in prayer this morning for all your people. For those who are seated near us in worship, for those who are in other parts of the building right now, and for those who couldn't be here for whatever reason today. We also pray for those who don't have a church home, for whom Sunday is just another day and who don't know you or have a relationship with you. It's a burden on our hearts, Lord, knowing that many people have no idea about the joy and peace that come from knowing and loving you. Help us to find ways to reach out to them in your name, to invite them to come and be present with us here to worship you and be in fellowship. We pray for them and for those who are lonely and who are lost and unaware of what they are seeking. Lord, we praise you for the many wonderful things you're doing in our lives and the life of our community. We pray for opportunities to come our way to show people how much we love you and the joy that comes from being your follower. We pray for obedience when you call out to us and ask us to challenge our faith in new and exciting ways. Lord, this morning we lift up those in our church family who need the strength and love of your healing touch. For those who may have been hospitalized this past week or under a doctor's care. We lift up in celebration Katie Mossgrip and Dan Holtkamp, who were joined in marriage here in the sanctuary yesterday, and ask your blessings on their marriage and life together. We also celebrate with Tom and Joan Padley, who welcomed a new grandchild into their home and just praise you for the joy of a new life and the, and the joy that this little baby will bring to her family. And Lord, we also ask your blessings of healing upon Mark Atwater, who was injured playing football yesterday, and just pray that he will receive healing and that um, he will know your presence with him as he just restores his body and, and rests and, and tries to recover. Lord, all these things we share with you in prayer. In the name of your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to say a couple of uh, things as we prepare for the scripture. First, good morning. Glad you're here. Uh, it's a wonderful day to come into the house of the Lord for uh, worship. And as we prepare for scripture, I want to say one word of celebration. Uh, normally at this congregation, parked up here in the first few rows, is the uh, Knapp family at 8.30. Uh, Beth Knapp, member of your congregation, was the Marion High School homecoming queen. So that's something we celebrate with uh, Beth and uh, her family. A great, great honor. And I know that uh, um, we woke up this morning and we came in and I said, well, we've got the, uh, the, the Mercy Walk this morning. At Marion High School dance last night. Lindmar High School homecoming dance. Let's hope for the best. And, uh, and we have a quorum, so praise the Lord. Two less, and I wouldn't be preaching today. Anybody want to leave? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I'd have preached no matter how many there been here. 
but you knew that. The word of the Lord comes to us from two different parts of our scripture today, and they happen to incidentally be the same two scriptures that we preached last week, Psalm 95 and Hebrews 10. The first seven verses of Psalm 95 are like this, and they are a psalm which meant there to be sung or said together. So will you read aloud with me Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7, as you find it in the Pew Bibles, in your hands, or on the screens uh, behind me. Let's read together. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. His hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Now, the second piece of scripture comes to us in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. We also looked at this last week, and it really talks about how it is that we're supposed to encourage others along in worship. Hear these words as I read from the pen of Paul. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together, as some in the habit are in the habit in doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day that is approaching. May God add his blessing to our reading of those scriptures. Uh, may we pray. Lord God, as we come before you this morning, we ask your blessing and presence. Lord, as we have come to be present in this place, we desire, we don't hope, we desire and we crave, we request the honor of your presence among us. We know, Lord, that you are always here for us, and so let us be fully and completely here for you. Lord, let us be here as well for others, and let us be useful in our worship and faithfulness to you. Lord God, we ask your blessing on the pastor as he comes to preach the message. We ask that the message might be contextualized not around his mind or his thoughts or his aspirations, but around yours and through yours, so that this preaching, this particular moment, might be an asset in the building of your kingdom, and that great, great day might be closer to coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in heaven and in earth. In your name we pray. Amen. I do, as I go to the talk, want to reiterate something Vicky said when you saw the picture of the 412 kids up there. I'd really hope that you'd wander across the, hall, the alley for two reasons to see our Carnegie Center, the Old Marion Library, if you're not familiar with it. One, 93% of the people that ever come to know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, do so before they're 21 years of age, and that is the epicenter at which we do that in this particular church, in our Sunday school, in our 412 ministries, in our worship facilities. We hope you'll go over and see what's going on and the, uh, what we've done to, to transform a little bit that historic site into what you've done uh, and, and what we do in ministry. Secondly, and this may speak to you just as clearly, 
go look at what you paid for, okay? Because while it was done mostly with volunteer labor, of course, the giving of the church that passes in these pews or comes out of your checking account is how we put together those places. It's really fun. I guess there's a third thing. If you haven't played pinball in a while, there's a few pinball machines over there now, so that's an... So, have you ever heard someone say this? You know, I was by myself the other day, and I told myself the most hilarious joke. And I can't tell you because it's just for me. Now, what's your response to that? You say, wow, that guy's weird. <laughs> or you say, we, we need to call some help for them, right? Because jokes are something we share. You know, jokes, for the first five years, email existed. That's all it was. People passing jokes from here to there. Because that kind of stuff is meant to be shared. A lot of our life is meant to be shared. The human experience is not solitary. John Donne in Meditation 8 wrote, No man is an island to express the simple truth that human beings do not thrive when isolated from others. Now I know that some of you, particularly those of you that have raised several children in your, ha your homes, may say, yeah, but I do need some alone time. Yes, you need some alone time. But you only need some alone time because the base experience we have is socialized. No man is an island. And the human experience is not one that is to be isolated. Think about it. When you think backwards or are sitting around the table with people and talking about your best memories, your best moments in life, very rarely do you ever start the, the, the sharing of that best memory by saying, I remember that one time when I was alone. It usually doesn't go like that. It'll be like, remember that one Thanksgiving we did this? Or remember that time when we were kids? And there's always this we and our and us to our experiences. And I know I stood right here in this sanctuary yesterday, and I said the same thing I say every time we have a wedding. At a certain point, we get to this point where we say, we all know as human beings that when we come to the highest moments of our lives, we feel that we cannot do justice to the moment alone. So we call upon our friends and our family to share the high experience. And it's to that experience that you have been communally called. You see, life is best when lived together. When we talk about what we offer, what a Christian offers, when we say a Christian offers their prayers and their presence, what we're saying by saying we offer our presence is we're saying to the, the simple fact of worship is a communal experience. Of course you can pray. You can go into your closet and pray. And of course you can listen to Christian music on your iPod and even listen to sermons in your car and such like that. And it is very important for the congregation of faith to get together and offer each other's presence. Your presence at worship is necessary for you. Now we talked about this last week. That's part of your natural response to God. You know, you've learned what God has done in Jesus Christ, so you want to be present. And, and a lot of you have said this. I've heard this exp expression said to me many times in my life. I love coming to worship, Pastor Mike, because when I come, I get my batteries recharged. You know, like you had spirit, spiritual batteries in your, in your life. And I like to, you know, be part of the, the singing of the songs and the prayers so that I'm ready to face the world. And I think that's a very important part of worship, and that's what we spent our time on last week, on how much you need to be wor at worship for you. But there's a second part of worship that's very important to us in regards to presence. Your, your presence at worship is necessary for us. 
you, you being here, I'm not talking about Keith and Vicki and I. I'm talking about the collective us as a congregation. Your, your response to God in, in worship is necessary for us because it helps us along the way in our response to God. You inspire us. You, you bring our faith closer to the surface at the end and during. If you look at, at Psalm 95, it talks about worship as a we, our, or us expression. As a matter of fact, in six small sentences... We, us, and our, or our, is said ten times. Ten times pointing to, to, to the importance of what it's like and important to get together. You see, last week I had an outline. And I said, we need your presence for inspiration, encouragement, and challenge. Same outline today. Same outline today. The first thing I want to share with you is, we need your presence for inspiration. You absolutely inspire us. See, your presence is a visible witness to your faith. I, I get the joy of meeting with 7th graders all year long. Every year I get to meet with 7th graders in confirmation. I always love it. A couple of years ago, I remember we were messing around after school, and my, you know, we were waiting for everybody to show up, and I asked one of the kids, I said, uh, uh, or he was saying to me, he says, you know what? He says, do you know, Pastor Mike, I can make myself invisible? I said, that's awesome. Do it. Do it. And, and he couldn't. I said, no matter what you do, I can still see you. You can turn sideways. You can hide under the table. You can even try to run out. That's usually how some girls try to make themselves invisible. They run out the room and head to Walgreens or something like that. But I said, you can't do it. No matter what we do as human beings, the technology, and I don't believe in magic, hasn't been come across that you can make yourself invisible. And I, I believe the same way about this. My eyes are getting older and feeble, but I see you all even way up there, even over there, even over here. We're all visible. And so since we're visible, when we come to worship, our presence is a visible witness to our faith. We got up before 8.30 in the morning and came to the worship facility this morning. And just walking in, just walking in, your presence was a visible witness to the people that are left, right, front, behind you. You see... Worship is a response when it's genuine and authentic. Worship is a response to who Jesus is to you. Now, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, John went up with Jesus, and Jesus' appearance changed. It, it dramatically changed. It, it transfigured in such a way that his face became white as white. His clothes became uh, whiter than anything anyone had ever seen. Light shone on, on him. And then this happened, Matthew 17, verse 5. While he was still speaking, Jesus was speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud, and it's the word of God, of course, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now let's be clear about this. Jesus is the son of God. Of that, I won't be shoved one way or the other. In your life, when you decide, that Jesus is the Son of God. When you claim that profound truth, when you understand that, that Jesus is the Son of God as your truth, the only appropriate response is worship, private and public. The only appropriate response to Jesus being the Son of God and you claiming that in your life is to come to worship. So, your presence here both teaches us and inspires us. You being here, week to week, month to month, teaches us and inspires us. Because the simple fact of 
this matter is that people learn from what you say and from what you do. I have a great friend. I've had her for years. Our families were friends, and she and her husband were hog farmers up in central Iowa, and we used to go out and have, well, surprisingly, barbecued pork patties at their house all the time, you know? They'd always mess with you. You know, if you're not from a farm, farmers mess with you. You're like, ah, is this fresh meat? Oh, yeah, it was just over there oinking this morning. Of course, the kids are like, really? <laughs> not really, but yesterday. No, anyway, um, we had this friend. We used to go out there, and, and, and her name was Lisa. And, and Lisa was, is a wonderful Christian woman, and she, in, in her own life, knows she has this one issue, is she just lights them one after another. Okay? So we'd often have to go out and stand on the deck because Lisa even knew she didn't want to be smoking in her own house. So we'd stand on the deck and Lisa would be smoking. And she's, I just remember once she lit a cigarette and was talking. And she says, you know, I'm going to kill my kids if they ever smoke. What we say and what we do teaches and inspires people. Try to make sure they're not in dissonance with each other. Charles Frey was a guy, a little guy that... He was a physician in one of the towns I lived in. He's about this tall, small guy. He would preach, literally, not in the pulpit, but everywhere, of how important it was. He'd talk to kids. He'd talk to other adults, how important it was in his position. And as a physician, he would talk to people about how important it was to go to worship. Now, I mean, Charlie Fry, when I knew him, he was in his 70s, maybe 80s. I don't know. But he, we lived in a small town. When you see his car kind of weaving down the the road he was one of those guys where you'd say park and park immediately get into a driveway if you can because charlie's going to church or something like that wherever he was going and i remember one day i mean it's just snowing and the wind is blowing sideways you know we got about a third of the crowd there and charlie comes walking in and he shouldn't have he shouldn't have been there it was smarter and safer for him to have not been there but he walked in i said dr fry what what are you doing here he said it's sunday pastor a christian worships on sunday Amen? He wasn't going to have any of my, it's safer for you. Sometimes, of course, it is. But you see, people learn from what you say, and people learn from what you do, and we teach others. And i got to tell you, and I know this to be true for you, and it's true for me, we are inspired. Aren't you just literally and absolutely inspired when you see someone, when you know someone who believes that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they make no bones about it? In, in, in their lives? Aren't you absolutely inspired by people that have true belief? And, and so when, when we come together at, at worship, we, we show, we show that we believe in Jesus and we're endeavoring to be a follower of Jesus. I mean, that's part of our witness to the faith. That's how we give inspiration to others. So we do need your presence for inspiration. And secondly, I will say, we also need your, your presence for encouragement. We need you to be here for encouragement. In, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 and following, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but get this, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Last week I said, where you put your presence shows you what's important. Today I'll tell you where you put your presence marks who is important to us. Where we put our presence shows us who is important for us. When you come to worship, 
I mean, I know you know this, but sometimes you've got to remind yourself about what you know. When you come to worship, you're showing that in your, by your very presence that first and foremost, Jesus Christ is your Lord, and He is important to you. And secondly, you're showing us that we're important to you. That we, the congregation, maybe even the people way over here that you over here don't talk to and you over here that don't know each other, I don't know. But you're showing each other that you are important because of your faith. Your presence, in fact, matters to other people. Your presence here. You're just showing up. Want you to be a Christian here. Want to embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord. But you're just showing up. Matters to other people. Had this happen in my life. One of the guys I played college football with, 50 years old, 51 years old, had a stroke a couple weeks ago. He's down in the University of Iowa Hospital. and I mean, you guys know how that goes. Kirk is, a, in my opinion, a relatively young guy, and he's got, you know, half of his body's kind of debilitated. He's working to rehab it and all that kind of stuff. But I walked in the room, and I didn't do anything important. I want you to understand that. I did not do anything important. I, of course, prayed because that's in my DNA. But I didn't do anything important. I don't have any doctoral medicine to give him. I didn't do anything except being there. Okay? And there's Kirk. He's had a stroke a couple days ago. with a couple of our buddies around there. And I get to leave, and he says, Mike. You know, he just got one half of the side of his mouth working. He says, Mike. And I came back over there, and he reached out there with his hand. And he says, Mike, I want you to know it was really important that you came. All he did was show up. But my presence really, really mattered to Kirk. And I know I didn't do anything because I'm not that great. I, I, I just showed up. We have to remind ourselves how much our presence is important. Now, you get one of these things in the mail every once in a while. Wedding invitation. You get these? Now, I know that some of us are old and callous and sometimes we say, oh, great, another bill. Right? Some of you laughed because you know. But we used to have a guy here, he's uh, in his last uh, semester of seminary, named Matt German. He played in our 945 band, led our, led our youth ministry worship team. I got his invitation a couple weeks ago. Re- listen to this. Believing that holy matrimony is ordained by God, and in the spirit of Christian joy, Elizabeth Nancy Marie and Matthew Stephen German, together with their parents, get this, request the honor of your presence. They didn't ask me for a gift. They request the honor of your presence. Have you got these kind of things? Okay. What they're saying is, you mean so much to us in your life, to our lives, that we want you to come. We really want you to come and be part of that moment. And I, and I had to call Matthew, and I said, Matt, I'm sorry. I love you. I can't get to Davenport that day because I have a wedding here that day, so it prevents me from being able to go. I'm really sorry. And he, of course, you know, did the right uh, thing. And then... And then, like three days later, I got a little card in the mail that said, we're really disappointed that you can't come. We understand, but you being there really would have been a a blessing to us. Which, kind of cool, because he sent it in the mail, because, you know, he's 20-something, and he knows I'm old, so not an email and voicemail or Twitter or something like that, you know. (laughs) Is that that out there now? Can you tweet your uh, wedding invitations? All right, 140 characters or less. Please come. We request your presence. Send. All right. Um, wow, I don't know where that came from. Um, but I, <laughs> it just keeps rumbling around up there. Um, but the point is, our presence matters. Our presence at things matters, and our presence ma- matters to other people. Some to people that we're very intimate with and know them very well. But often our presence 
also matters to people that we may not be so infinite, intimate with and may not know so well. So your presence here changes the perspective of many worshipers. I, I, I see a little example from this in sports. There's a guy named Dwight Howard. Have you heard of Dwight Howard? He just got uh, traded over to the Los Angeles Lakers. Dwight Howard is this great big, as you can see, uh, incredible physical specimen who is a center uh, on the basketball team. And what Dwight Howard does as a basketball player is he stands right in the middle of the lane, and if you come down into the lane, he tries to block or change your, sh your shots. And the reason that he makes lots of millions of dollars every year is because his presence in the game changes the perspective of every shooter on the floor. Do you understand what I mean? His very being there makes a difference. Now, you're not going to make $7 million, or if you do, give it to the church and, and, you know, reverse tithe or something. I don't know. But, but, but nor probably are many of us going to block many shots in, in the days. But, but what I'm saying is he has a formidable presence in the middle of the basketball court, and you have a formidable presence in the middle of a worship sanctuary. You have a formidable and important presence here. I see it every week. I see every week how important it is for some people to see that other people are here. Not as if they're checking off, okay, they made it, but they're really saying that that person helps me in my faith walk. They really help me. They may not sit down with us and, and study through the Bible. I hope that some of that's true. But you can see how important it is to others that you and, and some others are here. See, your presence encourages and ministers to us. Your very presence encourages and ministers to us. Your very being here builds up and others and makes the church of, of Jesus better. Without you, the people that you encourage, whether you know it or not, see, this is the whole thing. I, I, I can remember going to church and talking to a guy 30 years later about how much he encouraged me by just being in church. And he says, you know what, Mike, you encouraged me too. And we never talked to either, uh, each other about that. See, whether you know you're encouraging another per person or not, your very presence, your very being here matters. They walk in the room and say, are they here? Is that Christian that I know, that believer, that follower of Christ that I like or look up to, are they here? But see, if you don't come, the people you encourage, whether you know it or not, will leave that day without your witness. So we encourage each other. And thirdly, we need your presence for inspiration, for encouragement, and challenge. In 1 Corinthians verse 14, 26, it says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. What, what it's saying is everybody has a part, and all are challenged to contribute. And it's impossible to contribute to this, this body, this particular worship service, without presence, without being here. We, we, we need to simply be here to be present. See, and your presence makes you accountable. Check out what Paul says in Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the, present wor the pattern of the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will for us is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
your presence, brothers and sisters, is an expression of your commitment to God in every single aspect of your life. Your presence is not something you're just supposed to be here for, but it's here, a presence that you're supposed to take out there so that when you meet folks in, in the high V or in the school hallways or, or wherever it is that you go, you'll realize that that person is present for Jesus Christ and present for you all of the time. Your presence challenges us to copy faithful behavior. You get that? It's important for us to copy faithful behavior, not the selfish, um, faithless behavior of most of the world. So it's pretty simple. A Christian offers their presence so that they might rightly respond to God and that they might help us rightly respond to God. The simple matter of our faith is that God felt it so important that he made himself present for us in Jesus Christ. We call that the atonement. That is the time when Jesus comes so that we might be at one with God. That's the root word of atonement, at one, so that we might be at one with God. He does that in the living the life of, of Christ. And it's our responsibility with the rest of our lives to spend our time being present for Christ. Now, I'm going to ask the choir to lead us towards communion. But as we go into our communion, remind yourself that it is our opportunity and our responsibility to be present for Christ, present for one another, and let's be about that ministry.